0: Welcome to the Liberty Mindset. Come and explore some of the ideas and issues facing our liberty. 2022 is an election year. As libertarians, we ask that you consider voting in the Liberty Mindset. Welcome, and thank you for your time.
1: Good morning, day and night, everybody. Welcome to Liberty Mindset. This is episode nine, where we'll look at the 14th Amendment of the United States Constitution. This amendment was officially, or was the official end of slavery in the United States. The interesting thing, though, is nobody thought of applying this to the American Indian or Native until later. Today, we have a special guest, Annie Callan, as well as Gregor, as always. And we're going to go ahead and see what our 14th Amendment looks like. Annie is going to bring us an intriguing story of a Native American named Standing Bear. So we'll go through that as well, and how Standing Bear's story relates back to the Fourteenth Amendment. The Fourteenth Amendment is very lengthy. Do we want to read it in full?
0: I'm gonna say, let's let people read it if they want, because it is very lengthy.
1: All right. I mean, it's
0: a solid like 500 words. It's five
1: sections. Yeah, so it's pretty lengthy, but it talks, the first one, in a nutshell, talks about people who are born and naturalized in the United States are, therefore, citizens of the United States, um, but it does exclude natives in the amendment, some I further down, and was it section, it? section two. two, yeah, so, Gregor, what do you think of this, this aspect,
0: like, why do you well, think they stopped... I think we. I think. I think it's. A, it's a common, just a common misunderstanding of our history. Do I think they should have excluded the Indians? Technically, no. But what the reason for the exclusion, as I understand it in my research, is that the tribal nations, which we forced them onto in an evil way. I'm not making excuses. Okay, <laughs> but each of them had their own nation. Those were actually recognized by treaty to be nations and they weren't part of the United States government. So technically they were living in a separate country. Um, To this day, the Indian tribes keep doing things to lose their sovereignty. Um, I'm just, I I used to be a semi-professional poker player in California and I always blew my mind how much money went to the state of California when it's like, you do know you're your own country, right? Um, They really shouldn't have to pay anything to the state of California. Mm -hmm. Uh, The treaties didn't require it. It was later, with with later treaties, they all of a sudden allowed um, federal law enforcement onto their lands. It was later treaties, you know, they kept giving up more and more sovereignty. And this time, if you went onto an Indian reservation and you broke their laws, there was nothing anybody could do. Now, sometimes they would help, they would hop you know, the, the army would come in and enforce something. But, so the reason it says excluding Indians not taxed is because Indians literally are on their own country. Now, it
1: sounds, is honest. that right?
0: Eh. Yeah. You know, that's, that's an eh, maybe. Um, another interesting thing about section two is the um, it's also the, it's also the clause that they're gonna to try to use to keep Trump from running because that's where they say that he can't represent the United States. If you have been if you participated in rebellion or other crime mm. that's another part, important section of section two because yeah. you know, that, that's what they're trying to charge them with is rebellion they're not going to make it because the evidence isn't there but right. um, or they'll falsely do it much like they did with the last two impeachments so take a choice mm-hmm. um but anyway and then section three um is a, uh, there's always also another thing where they talk about um, no insurrection. Yeah, um, which is you know I, I I'm all over not electing somebody who's convicted of convicted of insurrection, I suppose. But they also left a clause where they could because if the Congress and the, and the Senate decides by two-thirds majority that yeah you can come anyway even if you're convicted. So they they left themselves an out, of course. Yeah. And then, of course, the fourth one is my favorite, is the public debt. Because here lies the basis for eventually the um, income tax.
1: Because taxes left.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I'm a libertarian. And then there's Section 5, which uh, you know, the, which is really short. So I'll just read it. Congress shall have the power to enforce by appropriation legislation the provisions of this article. So that's nice and clear. What what are
1: your thoughts on this in, on the 14th Amendment?
2: Um, I mean, as far as the Standing Bear story is concerned, it's really just that first sentence that matters, which is all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. And so that was the the basis of that um, court case i don't know if you guys do you want me to go into the story of that
1: or yeah sure please do my story <laughs> <laughs> I um love
0: history so yeah
1: right. me too. <laughs> so this is one
2: of the stories where i i feel like it should like every school child should be learning about this alongside you know martin luther king and george washington harriet tubman and all that because it's super important to our history but what happened was that um Like so many Native American tribes, the Ponca tribe was forced off of their land, late 1800s, and forced to go what was called Indian territory um, in modern day Oklahoma. Their their lands, their traditional lands are in Nebraska. Um, So they they went on a forced march and Sandy Bear was one of the chiefs of that tribe. And on the march, um, he lost a daughter because it was very, very harsh conditions. A lot of people died. And then when they were down in Indian territory, he lost another daughter. And then his son was on his deathbed down there because the conditions down there were awful as well. Um, So when his son was on his deathbed, he asked his father, please bury me in our homeland, not here in this foreign land. And this is really important for them religiously because they had a belief that you had to be buried with your ancestors in order to uh, exist with your ancestors in the afterlife. So, Sandy Mare made that promise to his son. And then, after his son died, um, he uh, snuck out of Indian territory. You know, they weren't supposed to be allowed to leave, Mm. they went in like, I think it was something like below 30 or below 60 degrees weather it was crazy cold um but that gave them an advantage because the Indian agent didn't um realize that they had left because he was huddled up in his cozy house so they managed to escape march all the way back um up to Nebraska and then once there uh they were arrested by Uh, General George Crook, who was in charge of the entire army west of the Mississippi. And this is where it starts to become interesting because General George Crook was a famous, um, what they called an Indian fighter. So he was considered a hero among white people for having, uh, you know, killed and displaced so many Native American people. But now, all of a sudden, when he heard Standing Bear's story, he was sympathetic. And I think he was also starting to feel guilty about. The course of his life and he actually negotiated a um he he he, well first he went and spoke with thomas henry tibbles who was um a newspaper man in in omaha and got the word out to the broader public about what was going on and uh got a lot of sympathy from that and then the two of them met with a couple of lawyers and um Got a court um, court case, which in which Standing Bear basically sued General George Crook as a representative of the United States government. Um, and that's and in that court case is where this Fourteenth Amendment comes into play, because they were able to successfully argue that um, he was a person born and naturalized in the United States. And so uh, he won the right to be considered a citizen of the United States and not be forced onto some other land against his will. Um, so that's kind of the, the quick version. There's a lot more details in that story, of course, but that's um, sort of the,
1: the Cliff Notes version. Can you uh, repeat what tribe it was that he's standing there was from again?
2: Yeah, it was the Ponca tribe. P-O-N-C-A.
1: Oh yeah, okay. So that's what I thought you said, but at the same time, I wasn't quite sure. So thank you to clarify. Yeah, they're they're sort of
2: culturally very similar to the Omaha tribe, and there was a lot mm-hmm. of like cultural, religious,
1: language crossover. Interesting.
0: That's always. Um, they were being relocated. School. They were. I remember they were being the Poncas were relocated because the Sioux wanted their land.
2: Yeah, and, it was it was kind it of, was, one you of know, those... Indian
0: on Indian violence almost that, when the government stepped in, and the solution was to go punk, was to move the Poncas because they were peaceful people.
2: Right. So the Ponca and the Sioux were always in conflict with each other, and um, it was a little bit more complicated because there was a particular man, a white man. Um, I think he was trying to do business with the Sioux or something. So it was his it was to his advantage that the Ponca would be gone. And so he went and talked to the U.S. government and said, oh, these poor Ponca people are being harassed by the Sioux. Um, they would love to go to a reservation. Can you get them out of here? And so, um, you know, the U.S. government being detached and, and far away and not knowing what was really going on, were like, oh, yeah, sure, we'll help out those poor Ponca people. So they sent the military to force them off their land. Um, and the Ponca didn't want to go, but... Um, but it was kind of convenient for business reasons for this other guy. So I think I think by the time they were being moved off their land, they had actually made a treaty with the Sioux. So I think things were like starting to get better, but then,
1: you
0: know, got worse.
1: Big brother steps in. <laughs>
0: yeah. Reagan's famous line comes to mind. The biggest words in the world to be feared is I'm from the government and I'm here to help. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah.
2: And, and the other thing to know about this period of time is that um most white people had one of two views of native americans um they either saw native americans as like thieves and murderers dangerous people who needed to be you know controlled or killed and then the other viewpoint was oh no native americans are helpless you know children of the forest they need our care they need to learn christianity we need to sort of take care of them and and teach them our ways and teach them the english cut their hair and and um, take care of them. So there wasn't really a lot of in between of people having a kind of nuanced idea of Native Americans as human beings. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I think that's part of the reason why this is such an important court case is because it legalized, you know, it, it put into law the fact that Native American people are in fact people. And as part of that court case, the the judge actually looked up the dictionary definition of person. So that he could make the case that Native Americans fell within that definition.
0: Well, I, I think I would have been a fan of Judge Dundee, who was the he is the guy that presided over the case. Oh, was he? Um yeah, it was Elmer Dundee was, was the guy's name. And um <laughs> he he broke he broke all the rules to make it happen. It was, you know, because your history thank you for that, but there were some other interesting details. For instance, oh. the Sioux actually trusted Crook. Okay. Coke, oh, wow. C- 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 however, you can see, our oh, yeah, o- I don't well, know. No, you say, you say, oh wow, but he had dealt with them honestly as long as he had been dealt, dealing with them. Okay. Now, was he an Indian fighter? Famous? Absolutely. And you know, and I don't, I'm not excusing his actions. I'm just saying that right. he had built a re- relationship with the Sioux, and he was right. trusted as an honest man. And so, when Standing Bear came back to the then Sioux lands to bury his family, the Sioux were helping him to get that done. Um. But then he was arrested by Crook, and Crook actually is the one that found the lawyers and told them to sue him personally, that brought about the case. Yeah, I think he's
2: a, he's then, a fascinating person.
0: Yeah, he was, he was, I mean, he was trying to right wrongs, and, yeah. you know, which sure. I applaud. And Thomas Tibbetts, the guy who ran the newspaper, fascinating guy, he was actually involved with the abolition movement. Um, he was involved with John Brown's Rebellion in Missouri, a white guy um and uh you know he was you know again we this is a point in history where you had a bunch of fascinating people come together to wrong a terrible to write a terrible wrong um, yeah I think that's
2: one of the most interesting things to me about this was that this cast of characters that came together this newspaper man who was also kind of an activist well very much an activist he had yeah. been a preacher he, like he said he had been an abolitionist he had been um he he had had a I don't know if it was a job or, or what, where he would chase after horse thieves and bring them to justice. Like, like, yeah. Uh, Henry Tibbles was, or I don't know if it's Thomas or Henry, but it was Thomas Thomas at Tibbles Yeah. The only reason
0: I know it, cause I wrote it down. Oh, okay. <laughs>
2: um, yeah. He, he's a fascinating person and, and I kind of see him as being just like this crazy personality, like all over the place, probably, you know, ADHD, if
1: we're going to go back in history and diagnose people. are going to bounce around between seven conversations at once while being very, uppity, you know, <laughs> Yeah, about.
2: and and when Crook came to him with this story, you know, he immediately, you know, reprinted that, that day's printing at the newspaper and, and made this big story um, to get the sympathy of the people in Omaha. And it kind of spread around the whole country, I think. Wow. and um but then he didn't stop there he went around you know he was friends with all the preachers in town because he he used to be a preacher so he he went around to all the churches and and did a little special session you know getting people riled up about this story so he used all of his different skills and contacts and and history to to really to champion this and everybody involved you know if they hadn't cared so much it wouldn't have happened and it's pretty extraordinary.
1: Yeah, it I mean, with the with the 14th Amendment, do we think that the natives weren't included in mostly because there are so many people who are divided on whether or not the natives were okay or what that they were people or that we could interact with them safely? That's okay. Or was question. there something more something deeper going on there? Because it, it does seem very kind of pointed <laughs> in there about it. Um well,
0: you, the, Indian, the Indian wars were interesting, and again, I'm not making excuses. I think we handled it badly period. Um, and I hope we learn from our mistakes, um, I really do, because that's the most important thing about history is not so much what you did, but what you've learned from it learned. so you can you know, not repeat it. And, um, you know, the the Indians just wanted to be left alone, so they negotiated, negotiated treaties where they thought they would be autonomous and left alone. And whether it's just political innocence that, you know, brought the, brought this about or what. But I think from the Indians' point of view, their goal was to keep the white men out. And mm-hmm. our goal was to keep the white right men in. Mm-hmm. And so we had mutually, condu- conclusive, you know, conducive goals. Uh, but the problem is, is of course, that later we find there's valuables on the land or whatever, and we move them again, and we break our treaties. I mean, we were the ones that broke the treaties generally. Mm-hmm generally, not always, but generally. And personally, to this day, I'm, you know, as a libertarian, you know, if you make me the king of Oregon, the first thing I do would be talk to these tribes and say, why are you giving up all your sovereignty?
1: Good question. And,
0: you know, let's, let's, you want to be, if you're supposed to be a country, feel free to be a country. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would be millions in, in taxes and stuff that Oregon wouldn't get, but to me, it's, you know, not fair that they're having to pay them anyway. Um, but on the other side of the coin, there was a later case, that I'll see as a 14th amendment, um, was, uh, I wanna say John Elk. Um, and he, his case was a little bit different because he had moved off the reservation and integrated into society by choice. And he was being, it was like in the, it was a few years after the um, uh, Standing Bear case, but uh, he also, you know, he argued that he was a person and he was a person because he paid taxes and was a contributing member of society and was not on the reservation. And that was the big deal, was that yeah. he wasn't on the reservation. That what ended up being, you know, more or less the deciding factor. But, you know, uh, Standing Bear was just an amazing person. After you mentioned him, Annie, Annie, I went and looked up some stuff about him and I ended up buying a book um, the memoirs of, jo- of Thomas T- Tibbetts
1: hmm.
0: uh, that I found that was, they found apparently his memoirs sometime in the 1920s or something and then produced a book. Oh. Uh, oh, I haven't
2: read that. I'll have to look that's for that. It cool. It's
0: really hard to find.
1: Hmm. It's
0: not like, well, I mean, <laughs> you can find copies of it, but some of them are really expensive. I managed to find one that from a um, from ebay for like or from amazon or something for like eight bucks so i will say be, be
2: careful eight. while you're reading that because he was sort of a known exaggerator <laughs> so we can't was, 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 trust everything he yeah. said but um,
0: well you know trust but verify right yeah yeah, yeah exactly
2: yeah. <laughs> but you know it's interesting you're talking about um native american tribes giving up sovereignty because that was you know we like to think of this story as a happy ending you know they they won the court case But there's also some, you know, it's more complex than that. And there was a lot that they actually gave up um, after they moved back onto their traditional lands. And um, one of those things was they were sort of forced to divide up their land into lots so that each person had their own property. And traditionally, they would have lived
1: in a tribe where the property was shared. Um, More like a communal kind of like a almost like an apartment complex type thing where everybody lives together in close quarters, even to help each other out.
2: <laughs> right, right. And you know, I'm not saying one is better than the other, but mm. but the fact that they were forced to do that, um, I think is sad because they ended up losing a lot of their traditions and a lot of their community um by being kind of forced into a western way of living. Which, you know, in some ways that transition was kind of already happening. There were there was a lot of intermarriage between white people and, and Ponca at this time. Um, there was sort of like a a tribe that was a mixed race, like sub tribe of the tribe that they kind of existed in both worlds and um and kind of in neither. So so it's a really complex time. Um but yeah, I, I think you're you're right that. That there has been kind of a consistent giving up of more and more sovereignty over time, and and um, there's been a lot of harm come from that.
0: Well, and Definitely. you know, as a as a you know, I I, I know we uh, Christianity is used as an excuse to go do things for people. Um, and I'm as even as a Christian, I'm it's like, no, you don't do it that way. And I, it's something I found fascinating in Africa. I used to live there, and. Uh, We always think it's best for us to bring our culture to somebody. For some reason, we think we're the best culture in the world. Do I think we have a fantastic way of living? Sure. I mean, you know, let's face it. Everybody has a cell phone. Everybody has TVs. Whether those are good things or not, I suppose. (laughs)
1: Yeah,
0: but you go to Africa, you go to a village that is, you know, an hour outside of the capital city. By motorcycle because you can't drive on the roads, and you see a group of people who have nothing and are exceedingly happy about it. Um, you know, it's one of the things that uh, I always struck me. And I watched some other religious organizations that claim to be Christian. One of the things they often would do is force a change of dress, force a change of this, force a change of that. And it's like that's not what true Christianity to me is about. One of the joys of it is that it's culturally neutral. You don't your culture can be yours, right? You, it, it needs to be a choice. It needs it needs to be people. It lives. needs to be a choice. Yeah. So yeah, and and wars have been fought over it, which were wrong. And and you know, God doesn't need me to fight a war to spread His word. I'm sorry, that's just not the way I get from the from the Word of God. But um, anyway, that was sorry, an offshoot. But it, yeah, it is. I, I and I don't. I think part of it. There's two things that as Americans we often don't accept that other people bring. And that's so sad because our, quote, culture is a melting pot. Mm -hmm. We're the one country in the world where you are, if you look at an American, you can't tell by their skin color whether they're an American or not. And That's a good thing. okay? Um, You know, like, again, in Africa, one of the things you think we're racist here, right? It's nothing compared to what it's like in actual Africa because if you're zulu you're better than everybody else if you're Bantu, you're to be subjugated because you're zulu i mean and and if you're if you're uh, Tsetse or, or whatever there's all kinds of different tribes that mm. the reason they hate each other is because they're different tribes not because they're different skin colors
1: it sounds like but, yeah. like a like a caste system in in india that different levels of people mm. It was. It made me think of when he mentioned that. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, and, and there's there's truth there. There's truth there that somebody, you know, that this wonderful movie about the queen just came out, uh, whatever it was called, uh, that African queen thing. Oh. Just, a movie. oh
1: and you know, you my I, I,
0: I read over the I read over the synopsis, and you know, it looks like a great fun movie, and you know, lots of fighting and women getting empowered and stuff, which is nothing wrong with, except for the fact that that's not at all how the history went. You know, it's, and people—I'm afraid people will look at this. King. and see, see this noble tribe fighting against slavery. Well, that actual noble tribe in reality was one of the biggest slave dealers on the continent. Yeah. They're the ones that people bought the slaves from. You know, and yeah. and uh, but if we look at it in a movie, it's going to sound like they were there fighting for freedom to be keep from being enslaved. Which no, they're fighting. To, they were fighting to keep their the, the ability to sell slaves.
1: And there might have been a couple that were opposing what their tribe was doing, but oh, sure. it probably wasn't enough. No, there's always to... a couple. And people take the fiction over the reality without verifying or fact-checking and just assume that that's the way things go. But there's I'm nothing more for wrong the with a fictional movie. Of it, but yeah, but it's a movie. That's yeah, there's nothing like, wrong with a fictional fiction, movie. It's... even if it's based on
0: events. Yeah, yeah. And, and almost anything. You have, to have to remember it's fictional. Well, I'm not movie dissing movie. the movie in the fact that it was probably a good movie. I didn't see it. My wife went and saw it. She thought it was pretty enjoyable. Um, <laughs> and, and, and Any movie uh, that's
2: based off history is going to be inaccurate. Like History well, is just right. going to messy to, to make an accurate movie. Yeah, and that's
0: what, well, that's one of my banes is because if I watch a historical movie, then I have to go dig in to find out what was wrong with it. <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs> I'm right there with It's you. a compulsion. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I'm always like, wait a minute, okay, what was real there? What wasn't real there? Like I, used to, I grew up watching, um, we didn't have television, so we had a lot of VHS, and the last of the Moh- Mohicans, mm, with yeah. uh, Kevin Pastor, I watched that a lot. And, but it's it's a brutal movie, but it's still not accurate. <laughs> yeah. All right, um, so. Oh,
0: Buckskin and, Buckskin and Blanket Days Memoirs. Blanket Days Memoirs is the name of the book by Thomas um, Tibbetts.
1: Okay, is it? I Tibbetts? just got a
0: confirmation it was shipped.
2: I thought it was Tibbles. Is
0: it? Tibbles, I'm sorry. Tibbles. Yes. Okay. They didn't put they didn't put the author in the in my they just put the title.
2: Well, and my my favorite book on this subject is called I Am a Man, um, Chief Standing Bear's Journey for Justice. I can't remember Ooh. the name of the author right now, but um, he goes through the whole history it's a really great book and that's that's where i get most of my information from
0: well let's find out i am a yeah. man she's standing Bear's journey for justice on amazon it's by john stent uh, i can't read it because my <laughs> screen's weird um john joe sterita yeah option. oh that's right and Yeah, mm-hmm. i will just make sure to put a link in our description under suggested reading so people can find it that'd be great um so, so I'll, I'll make sure that gets done
1: so all in all why did they give up their sovereignty what are our theories about it um was it I, Did they want to assimilate? Did they want to just stop fighting? I mean, a lot of them were probably strong-armed into doing it and kind of like people getting strong-armed into uh, plea deals. Yeah, I
2: think it was a mix of, of a lot of different things. I mean, for one thing, they were probably just exhausted from all the struggles they had gone through and they were probably, you know, willing to accept some compromises in order to just be able to live in peace. Um, but, but also, like I said, this was kind of a time of transition anyway, where there was a a real conflict between a native way of living and a Western way of living. And, um, you know, a lot of native people were already starting to, you know, adopt some cultural, um, you know, clothing, religion, Mm -hmm. language, technology, and things like that, especially people who were, were mixed race. And so I think it was just kind of a gradual, thing that happened that was, you know, it was convenient for, for the white people. And um, and so I think they, yeah, they did kind of try to force it where they could.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, yeah, I, I, well, I, 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 mean, I can speak a, from their perspective, obviously, but that was yeah. my thought.
0: Well, I, I think part of it is, you know, and I'm with you on that. I think part of it is uh, um, naivety on their part. Um, Because they just, you know, they didn't have a culture of, um, I don't want to say they didn't have a culture of ownership because they did. Um, I mean, you know, Indian tribes enslaved other Indian tribes and would war on them. And I mean, just like any human population, they were just as good and evil as everybody else. Mm -hmm. But um, I I just don't think they never, they never developed a political strength because, and for the most part, And they had to learn it from us, how to become political. Geronimo became politically strong because he figured out how to form an army with all the several tribes. And that's the only reason he became a political force. Um, So they learned that from us because most of the time they were too busy just trying to live. And when you have a subsistence living system, that's what happens. Yeah, you couldn't be happy in that. There's nothing wrong with subsistence living. I think you know, you know I've, with the people I met that lived that way, were sure they had health problems. They had this problem. They had that problem. But in general, in general ways, the suicide rate in in Africa is actually pretty low for the most part, unless you're in some politically charged country where you have an oppressive one oppressor over the other. In Lesotho, it was a member of the British Commonwealth. It was a third world country it was politically stable, even though it was technically been at war for 30 years, most of the time the people were happy. Um, and, uh, you know, it's and, and I just, I never heard of a suicide. Now, there were accidents and people died young from infection and other things because they just didn't have all the technology we had. The hospital was a deplorable mess. Um, but... Uh, you know, it was just—it was—is it was just a different kind of life, and I think because we, our culture has roots in a far higher populated, more densely populated region of the world, meaning you know, Western Europe or Eastern Europe, Western Europe. Um, we developed differently, and you know, I I can't say that you know we invented war because we didn't. War's been around since the beginning of time, um, but. You know, we just figured out different ways to live and our politics are much more, I mean, look at the the kings of the 15th, 16th, 1700s. They're all interrelated by marriage. That's how they got along. They married each other and and said, well, I can't attack you now, you're your family. Where they didn't have that kind of system and they didn't have any kind of big governing system. The chief was there to look after the tribe, which almost exclusively meant the few people in their conclave. You know, and I saw that kind of structure in Africa, in the villages, they still have chiefs or chiefesses. Um, and you walk into a village, the first thing you do is you go to the chief's house and you ask permission to stay. Yeah. You know, it's the first thing you do when you go to a new village. Um, 99 times out of 100, they're gonna say yes. But, you know, it's just, that's what you do culturally. Um, and so I guess I'm thinking the Indians, A, besides the fact that technology they didn't advance in technology they still were stone age literally um and they had an innocence about what they were signing i, mm-hmm. they, I just don't know if they i don't think they from every tribe i've read about some, through history most of them claim that they didn't understand the owning of the land
1: right.
0: okay the land was not something you owned it was something you used right and when well, we, we tried to claim when we we changed, <laughs> when we claimed ownership of the land that there's a lot of people that say they didn't understand that and I can't argue that I don't yeah. agree
2: and I you know and I mean, that
0: may be the thing is that ownership wasn't a thing to them right. I don't.
2: I don't think innocence is the right word because that gets into that sort of the dichotomy of like being childlike versus being more like an adult but mm-hmm. I think you're right that there was an maybe an ignorance um not their own
0: fault but, or something yeah. yeah yeah
2: it was just you know they didn't have the cultural understanding of where white people were coming from a lot of times they didn't even speak the language um and of course people the white people writing these treaties were more than happy to capitalize on that um lack of knowledge in order to to get what they were trying to get so
1: the communication barrier i'm sure was a huge issue in them understanding anything that we were trying to explain to them or they were trying to explain to us
2: and bad actors are always going to capitalize on things like that to their (laughs) advantage but, that, but that's why I think it's so crucial that, because standing there he didn't speak a word of English. The fact that he could go to General Crook and then later, you know, Thomas Tibbles and, and the lawyers that helped him and the judge that ruled over the case, that all these people came to bat for him. Um, you know, also, there's a woman named Suzette Lafleche who was um, the daughter of the chief of the Omaha she she served as a translator. And so, you know, it, he wouldn't, Sandy Bear wouldn't have been able to do this on his own, largely because of that language and cultural barrier, but all these people coming together to support him and to see that there was an injustice is what made the difference.
1: And I, I just think that's a, a great story. Yeah, it's a very powerful thing to see every, see everybody come together for that. Indeed.
0: Well, what were you
1: gonna
0: say? Well, I was just gonna. I was gonna share something I dug up. Um, Please, and I'm actually planning on doing a separate video on this. But Standing there, um, since he wasn't considered a citizen, could not testify at his own trial. Oh, stupid, right? I
1: didn't. So, realize
0: that. yeah. I mean, well, yeah, so the, wow. so what the judge did is he told the prosecutors and the and the defendants. He says, "I'm going to adjourn the trial and let him speak." So the judge whispered court as a jury. (laughs) Everybody stayed seated. Standing there through the translator you spoke of did this following speech. And it's really touching. So I want to, I want to get it on. I'm going to do an actual recording through my actual microphone when I get everything working again. Um, technical difficulties today. But I'd like you to take a moment and let's go back to the, you know, 17, uh, the 1879 courtroom, 71 courtroom. And a man stands up, an Indian guard, holds out his hand, looks at his hand, points to the judge's hand and says, I, I've almost started in the wrong place. Um, uh, that, hand is not the color, that hand is not the color of your hand. But if I pierce it, I shall feel pain. If you pierce your hand, you also feel pain. The blood that will flow from mine will be of the same color as yours. I am a man, the same God made us both. I seem to stand on the bank of a river. My wife and little girl are beside me. In front of the river is wide and impassable. He sees there are steep cliffs around him with the waters rapidly rising. In desperation, he scans the cliffs and finally spots a deep, rocky path to safety. I turn to my wife and child with a shout We are saved. We will return to the swift running water that pours down between the green islands. There are the graves of my fathers. So they hurriedly climbed the path, getting closer and closer to safety. The water is rushing behind them. But a man bars the passage. If he says that I cannot pass, I cannot. The long struggle would have been in vain. My wife and I, and child, must return and sink beneath the flood. We are weak and faint and sick. I cannot fight. You are that man. Um, now, how true that is or not, I don't know. It's something I found reported theoretically from the trial. Uh, But what I find fascinating about it is the absolute lack of rancor Mm. and hate. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really hope that everybody can listen to that a bit and decide maybe we can figure out a way to have a little bit of peace going on. We're living in very scary times right now. Yeah,
2: it's astonishing how calmly he fought for his rights in a way that I think most of us would struggle to be
1: Mm -hmm. that
2: calm (laughs) um what he went through in his life and the suffering he endured i think anybody would have a right to be angry about it and yeah the fact that with such peace and dignity he was able to fight for his right as a human is is amazing i got chills just hearing you read that and i think i think that is true i think he did say that at the at the, in the court
0: case. No, I mean, it's recorded as true, you know, but no. I wasn't there and there wasn't a stenographer. <laughs> you know, you have to be careful about history. So I'm gonna, I'm going to claim that it is the reference. I, I was given it in a reference and the claims to be true. I am not claiming it's true. I'm saying the reference claimed it to be true. So, um, but I think it's beautiful no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I really think that our 14th amendment as flawed as it was, um, ended up being a fantastic tool because of look how far we came mm-hmm. um, because of the 14th Amendment. Mm-hmm. Now I have one more question. I, was, I wanted to make sure we covered mm-hmm. um, regarding the 14th Amendment and because I'm finding curious. In Roe v. Wade um, and in several other cases, the 14th Amendment is implied as having a right to privacy. Does anybody see? Any, does anybody see anything in this where it has any kind of indicated right to privacy? Not that we shouldn't have team. privacy. Yeah, yeah we, we definitely should re, su- support the
2: right to privacy. I, I, I didn't
0: I'm not put saying we anything. shouldn't. I'm just—it's like I'm, I'm trying to figure out how they got it, and I've looked in 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 Roe v. Wade in the in the. Discussion up to it. They said, "Well, there's a right to property in the Fourteenth Amendment," and that's all they say. They don't say what yeah. that is. They don't go into the explanation of where that right came from. There's yeah, nothing that like that they're... jumped out at me when I was yeah. It, But yeah, yeah. Do we have a right to privacy? <laughs> sure. And I, I well, I think the Fourth Amendment implies it very solidly. Maybe they had right? their amendments wrong. Wrong on which
1: sure They meant to say the Maybe fourth, it was not Fourteenth. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, um, but yeah, yeah no, I, I was just wondering because I mean, that's something that I see in multiple cases about privacy. Hmm. And uh, it's like, seriously, I, hmm. I, I don't get it. So, okay, so I'm not the only one that's confused.
1: No, maybe you're if not. there's a lawyer that, mean, a, that
0: watches this can throw us a comment and say, well, this is why. And I'll say, okay, fine. But
2: do, I mean, you do have this, you know, the second sentence in section one, which is no state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. So you could read that maybe as a right to pri- privacy. I mean, it's not explicit,
1: but. Right. Yeah, that's basically right, the line that they're referencing in this um, article that I just Loaded up from NBCChicago.com, just basically said the same thing that Annie just said is what she's is the suspected reason why they would tie Roe versus Wade um, into the Fourteenth Amendment.
0: Well, to me, and that's interesting because to me, that's say no stu- as you said, no establish for of course, a law which shall be a approaches of the immunities of the citizens of the United States. Mm-hmm. That implies that there's a right to privacy somewhere, and to mm-hmm. me, the source and- would have been I would have rather gone with the Fourth Amendment because I think that's probably where they got it from. Mm-hmm. And I, I really think we need to, you know, have an interpretation of the Fourth Amendment that includes electronics,
1: electronic mm-hmm. data mm-hmm. and stuff.
0: Yeah. Um, somehow we have to, I think that's the, I, the White House this week came out with a, quote, Internet Bill of Rights, and it's awful. Oh. Um. But I don't disagree that maybe one, or, or, or maybe an amendment needs to be amended to include, you know, the electronic world, because I really think that, a right to privacy is part of what our problems is that uh, people are so easily swayed and controlled because of the data that is sold. But that's me. That's another libertarian thing on me. So, yeah. you know. But if
1: you go on from what you had said, the no state shall make or enforce any law, shall be abridged to the privileges or immunities of the citizen of the United States. The next part, though, is another part that they're latching onto in this article. It says, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of the law nor deny any person within its jurisdiction to the equal protection of laws. So, right. I mean, I think they're extrapolating protection out of out of that, like we were saying, it's gotta be where it's at, but it doesn't make sense. And you're completely right. They should have put that towards the fourth amendment, not the 14th.
0: So, so yeah, that's I was Something I wanted to make sure I discussed because I'm only because I was confused.
2: I think the 14th amendment is mostly trying to clarify that you know, anybody who's defined as a person, which, you know, includes as of the, the, this amendment, um, citizens or anybody, any person born in the United States. And so I think it's just clarifying that the United States, well, you can't have slaves anymore. <laughs>
1: right.
0: I think that's mostly
2: what they're trying to say. Well, yeah, that
0: so. was the purpose of it. And they wanted, to, and, and they wanted, well, I mean, the 13th Amendment removed slavery. But the 14th mm-hmm. Amendment declared them as people so that they could right. be counted properly. Right. So
2: not only is slavery illegal, but we're being absolutely clear about the fact that, that former slaves are citizens and they have all of the rights due to citizens. So I think that that was kind of the main intention of that section one.
0: Yeah. Well, and, you know, uh, we could get into that whole... You know, the fact that America is the only country where that if your non-citizen parents birth you on their land, all of a sudden it makes you a citizen. Is that right or wrong? Um, you know, that's a whole nother, uh, well, maybe not a whole nother debate, but that's an interesting query because it has caused so many troubles in our you know, in our life. Cause it's, uh, I'm not saying that shouldn't be, I'm just saying it's you know, caused a lot of trouble. That's how we got so many, um, you know, that's how I, I know in San Diego when I lived there, hospitals were always full of people that came across the border just to have kids. They'd have their kid, stay three days and then go back. And um, you know, the whole purpose was so they could have an American birth certificate for their child so they could immigrate the whole family. And that wasn't the intent. Um now am I all for open borders? As far as I'm concerned, if you're willing to come here and work and pay taxes and get a you know, get an ID and and Live here in this country and help this country, you're a citizen. That's fine with me. I don't have a problem with that. Um, it's just you know that's not what that's not what is happening. And part of that is because our immigration system is really screwed up. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm acknowledging that there is a problem there. Okay? Yeah. But you know, I'm I am of the thing. If you're willing to come here and work, and pay taxes and do your you know do your part as a citizen, and I underline do your part as a citizen because that's part of the problem. I think so much of our wealth is being just filtered out of our country because these people who have to pay thousands of dollars to get smuggled into our country end up sending it back to the drug cartels that smuggled them in. Maybe right, so if there was a better- That's ridiculous, legal system, I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, if we had a better legal process for people to come here, then they wouldn't have to do that. And, and but and, I think the thing is that neither party is incentivized to make that process better because they can both use it when they're running for office you know, both parties can do yes. that and say, oh, this is messed up, so vote for me. They have no incentive to fix it and they get a good working
1: system.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, and you know, I don't know if any of you watched on um, fancy movies, but um, yeah, I really do think almost as soon as we get done with this whole nightmare in um, Ukraine and with, China, Ukraine, with Russia and China, and, you know, I wouldn't have no trouble declaring the drug cartels a clear and present danger and actually taking them on as their own entity because, you know, they're destroying our country in so many different ways. Smuggling in, you know, it's not that you shouldn't have a right to take fentanyl if you want to. It's just smuggling it in and, and producing it the way it's being produced is unsafe. Well, it, and, uh,
1: this would digress quite a bit and would have to be another episode, but stop the war on drugs and those, some of those cartels don't have any fuel. Yeah, I mean the war on drugs is why Car- one of the reasons cartels exist. So and Dr- drugs you have won the right. That's for another. We should do that on another episode. Oh, yeah. That's a perfect stopping <laughs> space. Yeah. Oh well, thank you. Um, uh, this kind of wraps up our amendment discussions uh, for now, and thank you, Annie, for joining us today. Um, just a reminder to everybody, we do have some short clips. Feel free to go check them out. Um, and I believe if Gregor can confirm this, our next episode should be about voting.
0: That or, is correct.
1: And then we'll have one in... Hopefully in close proximity to that about cryptocurrency. So <laughs> you know, I I
0: have that listed next, but yeah, okay, I cool. haven't picked, we haven't picked that up yet. But Okay.
1: But well, let us know, of course, if you want to join us for an episode. And remember to be kind to your fellow humans, seek truth, and stay curious, everyone. Thank you.